On the cover, a crowbar sits propped up against a trash can in an alleyway. At the base of the crowbar, there sits a silver orb covered in arcane symbols, the two objects forming a crude question mark. Issue 5, Bedsheets and Betrayals. It has been about a week since uh, the encounter with Overclock at the Phoenix Institute. The first page of this issue is actually the exterior of the abandoned house that Hiro has been kind of squatting in. Uh, so what is the exterior of this house? Like, what color is it? Like, is it multiple floors? Because we didn't really get a very good description of it. Uh, definitely, like, a, a real neutral color. Okay. Uh, not, nothing that, like, pops out, but nothing that would be... Unnoticeable. It's just like a house color, like just normal house. <laughs> <laughs> house colored. I will give you some options. Okay. Blue. <laughs> Is it yellow? Mm. Is it kind of brown? Mm. It's a really inventive color. I like yellow. <laughs> I like okay, I so think like yellow. A, like kind of like a, like a sad, yellow. A sad yellow. It used to be fun, but not anymore. <laughs> it's definitely two floors. Uh, real like dilapidated, not taken care of at all. Mm. So like there's parts of the floor that you can't really step on. There's parts of the floor that are just missing. Uh, creakiness, water leaking, pipes not really working, stuff like that. And what part of this house uh, does Piero stay in generally? Is there like a bedroom, or is it, or have they made like a nest in the living room? There is a uh, window bed on the second floor. Right. That is, uh, it's got one clean sheet on it. <laughs> yeah. The only clean sheet. Yes. So we have that exterior shot, and then we kind of move in, and we have Piero sitting on this uh, window bed. Uh, it is the middle of the night. It's very, very late. And Piero's mask is just floating ominously in the center of the room, as it do when you're by yourself. Yeah. And we kind of see a shot over Piero's shoulder, and uh, that picture that we saw in the first issue of Piero and Ruby yes. in happier, happier times. And then we get a little bit of a flashback. Ooh. So this is Piero's first day of school, moving in uh, with their new roommate. Mm -hmm. And I want to establish a couple of things. So we're Miu at this point. We haven't. We're, yes. We're not Piero yet. No. Does Miu allow her parents to help move into the new room, or is this something they wanted to do by themselves? I don't think they can. They can stop them. Okay. I don't think they can stop their parents from helping them move in. Okay. Is this something that that they would have wanted to do on their own, though? Yeah, probably. Okay. So I think uh, the compromise that has been kind of made at this point is that they will help you move boxes up to the dorm room itself but they'll let you move them into the room Yay. on your own. Good. You're standing outside of this dorm room at this point with, like, two giant stacks of, like, four to five cardboard boxes each. Uh, way more stuff than you would have need in this, like, <laughs> tiny, tiny dorm room that you're going to be sharing with someone. And your parents are just uh, kind of fussing. They're like, well, um, you know that you can always come to us if you need anything. We, we'll work, we work right over there in that administrative <laughs> building. That has absolutely not been destroyed by a octopus or a bear. Or it never will be. It never will be. Why would it be? It stood there for 50 years. It's a long time. Yeah, it's an old university. It's historic. Oh, wow. Yeah, you guys did some damage. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think they both kind of hug you and uh, shuffle to give you a little bit of room. Mm -hmm. And your mom gives you something on, on the way out. Uh, what is this kind of keepsake that she has kind of given you at this point? Uh, I think it's like... A mirror, like a hand mirror, and it's like really old. Okay. So it's like an heirloom from her family that's okay. been passed down. 
So it's it's a just an old like a silver kind of hand mirror. Uh yeah, like okay. a silver, probably hand forged, uh, yeah. real ornate design. So not like not like a like a like a silver back glass, but like one of those really old style like just polished silver yeah. mirrors. Yeah, those are cool. So you've got this like polished silver hand mirror, um, and they kind of you know one last uh, three or four hugs to go, yeah. and then they they eventually let you introduce yourself to your roommates all on your lonesome. Oh wow! They they trust you this much. Wow. So you're standing outside this door, and there's really only the one option. I guess there's two. You could uh, knock on the door and go in, or you could run away and leave your boxes in the hall. I guess, I guess I'll go in. This doesn't really make sense to run away. It's like a choose your own adventure story. <laughs> you open the room, and we get a shot of uh, of Miu standing in the doorway, uh, kind of from the inside of the room. And what does Miu look like in this panel? Wearing some sweatpants, mm-hmm. Apex U. Hoodie, carrying a box, uh, probably looks nervous, not quite sure where to stand, stuff like that. And the room is kind of divided into two halves. There's a bed on one half, uh, on which is kind of uh, laying Ruby. She's got headphones on at this point, so she doesn't quite see you enter just yet. And what does Ruby look like in this panel? Real, real edgy emo kid. <laughs> Uh, like, real bad dyed hair, uh, probably, like, little skulls on the headphones, um, bunch of bad wristbands. You said real bad, like, dyed hair? Yeah. What color? I always pictured white. You kind of enter, and you start moving boxes in, and at some point, your roommate, who you have not met yet, uh, but you know of, kind of pops the earphones out, looks over and kind of gives a wave at you. And you can kind of tell that she's a little bit nervous about this whole thing as well. Like, right. this is her first time away from home, too. Oh, do you, do you want some help with those? Yeah, okay. sure. So she helps you bring in a few boxes, uh, and we get a couple of panels of that. It's just every so often, you know, an awkward panel of someone trying to hold two boxes or, like, halfway dropping oh, a box. Good. or, And then we kind of come back out of that particular flashback, and we have Piro on this bed in this dark, dark house... And you can hear from outside, there's a clanking sound, like someone is dragging some sort of metal object up the street. What do you do? I look out the window and try to determine what this metal object is and who this person is. Sure. What you see at the end of the street is... We'll start We'll start at the top. The hair is not white anymore, it's red, uh, but it's kind of the same style, and you can tell that this is just a different dye job. The face uh, has probably the biggest smile on it that you've ever seen on a human face, and not in really a great way. Then, kind of hanging over the left shoulder is a mask that looks very similar to yours, but where, where yours has kind of a dour expression, this one is just very, very happy. The face and the mask look very similar at this point. Down from there, spiked belt, uh, jeans, large boots, which you can now hear kind of impacting the concrete as she walks up the street. And she's dragging a crowbar and just every so gently tapping the asphalt as she goes. Uh, And you hear from down the street, Miu! We gotta go to the movies! (laughs) I don't want to go to the movies. Are you are you saying anything? Are you doing anything? Uh, well, I can't say anything. Uh, I'm probably going to go hide. <laughs> okay. Are you grabbing anything before you go, or are you just running? Uh, grabbing the mask. Okay. And the sheet. So you grab the mask out the middle of the air, grab the sheet. sheet. Yeah. And where are you running to? Uh, 
different house. Okay, so you're just exiting the house and, and all running all away. Okay, cool. Um, I think as you exit this house, I'm going to assume out the back door. Yeah. You can kind of hear Ruby up the street. If you don't come out to the movies with me, I'm going to get angry. Uh, and you can just hear this like tapping of this crowbar start to kind of like increase in frequency. Oh, no. uh, and she's starting to kind of like jog a little bit down the road directly towards the house you were in. Oh. You are now out the back door. And you can see her, but you don't know whether she's seen you yet. Okay. What do you do? I mime a ladder, and I okay. climb up the tree. Are you All right. You mime a ladder, and as you do, I want you to... Normally, this would not be an unleash your powers kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I want you to unleash your powers. Okay. It's two to <clears throat> one. Mm-hmm. It's two. always two and plus three. Thank you. Uh, six plus two, eight. It is much easier than you would have expected to do this. Mm-hmm. Now, on an eight... This is always going to either mark a condition or be temporary or unstable. So let's start there. Which do you want it to be? Temporary. Temporary? Okay. You're halfway up the tree, um, and you feel the ladder giving way, and you just kind of grab a branch. So you're you're still up here, but it was very, very easy to make this ladder happen, but it was just gone in a flash. So you're now hanging from a limb, and you can see at this point that Ruby has laid eyes on you. Oh, no. And she goes, you're not dressed for the movies! (laughs) They're my only clothes. We'll get you some more. And she looks over at the house uh, that you're hanging on a tree next to, and you can see there's kind of a light on. I bet they've got some. And she starts heading towards the house. Oh, no. I follow her. <laughs> uh, sure. Are you going to try and stop her or do anything? Or? Uh, yeah, I'll throw the sheet at her. Okay, so you throw a sheet at her? Yeah. All right. Are you, like, just over her like a... <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. So you throw the sheet over her, and she actually stops moving. Okay. Um, like a cat. Yeah, like like a, just for like like a pigeon. Yeah. Like she just stops moving for a second. What is this game? <laughs> it's where's Mew? And she swings the crowbar at you. Oh. <laughs> uh, so first off, I want you to mark a uh, mark your doom track. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but she swings she swings the crowbar at you. Oh no! She's like right there, and she swings the crowbar at you. Oh. What do you do? Can I run away now? Yeah, I would like to run away now. You can can start running. Are you just heading off down the street? Uh, yeah, why not? Uh, Are you heading towards anywhere in particular? Let's go to the Kobe building. You're heading towards the center of town? Yeah. Okay. Um, Now that's a very far distance away, because as we established, it took you a few hours to walk there. I mind putting on roller skates. (laughs) Okay, so as you're running, you're like, on these imaginary roller skates. Just hop on a motorbike. You get those on, and you start skating down the road. And as you do, you realize that Ruby is keeping pace with you pretty easily. She's just at a light jog as you're skating down the road, and she kind of looks over at you. Why aren't you wearing your mask? And then you hear another voice from her shoulder. Really? Why aren't you wearing your mask? Um, uh, I start skating faster. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So you're now trying to outrun someone who is uh, very, very quick. Uh, This is also going to be an unleash of hours. Six. You start going uh, much, much faster, and it doesn't seem like this is making much of a difference as far as not keeping up. And Ruby's just like, if you don't want it, you can just give it to me. No. can't <laughs> do that. I mean, you don't have to have it. I can tell it's not making you happy. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um... <laughs> Keep running. Okay. What else can I do? <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. So at this point, you're kind of starting to get into a more industrialized sort of center. You guys are going pretty quick at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, going to the movies. Yeah, you're going to movies. And you can actually see a movie theater up the street. Mm. You can either head towards that, or you can 
try and head underground into like the subway system. Or you can just stay up here in full view of the public. Full view of the public, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, because as you come in, you know, downtown Apex City, it doesn't really get empty or, you know, there's, there's always some people around. Uh, the sort of late night crowds. Uh, and as you guys start passing, people start pulling out like cell phones and like taking pictures and videos. And you get some like, whoa, it's a superhero fight. That's a good one. And Ruby kind of, the guy that said, you know, it's a superhero fight. She's like, yeah, you want to join? And she reaches over and grabs him by the shirt. And now she's holding him in one hand. Oh, no. And she kind of looks over at you. Or he could take it from you. No, I, I, I run towards the, bi- the the guy, the, the poor man. That she's holding? Yes. Okay. To try to save him. Okay. Oh. Can I mime, like, like a big sheep hook? Like, and you're going to try and yeah. pull him away? Pull him away. I think that sounds like a defend someone. So go ahead and plus save you. Ooh. Three. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's no good. So, <laughs> you mime a sheep hook, uh, and you get it around him, and as you start pulling, you realize that Ruby's grip on this guy is... Way stronger than uh, than, my sheep hook. than your sheep hook, and it's like digging into his like uh, abdomen, oh, and no. you can tell that he's like seriously in some pain here. And she's like, "Well, if you just want, if you wanted him, all you had to do was ask." And she throws him at you. Oh no! I would like you to roll to take a powerful blow. Okay. Ooh, Eleven. Eleven. <laughs> That's bad. That's uh, really like plus bad. Anything. Plus conditions marked. Uh, afraid. So you have so, one condition marked? Yeah. Now you're up to 12. So you're up to 12. Congratulations. Uh, so on a 10 plus, I would like you to... You can either remove yourself from the situation, flee, pass out, etc. You lose control of yourself or your powers in a terrible way. Or you choose two options from the 7 to 9 list. Let's just remove myself from the situation. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's, at this point... Let's just leave. So right. she throws this guy at you, and you're just going to take that opportunity to grab him and just, like, knock yeah. it off. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you grab him... And you actually, in the first direction you turn into, you head down an alley, and you look back over your shoulder, and Ruby's not there anymore. And this guy is unconscious at this point. Okay. What do you do? Take him to a doctor. Okay, so you're just gonna take him to the hospital? Yeah. I think that's a good kind of panel. Uh, Piero, at this point, taking this poor unconscious guy who just wanted to film a superhero fight to a hospital. We move from there because this hospital is kind of towards uh, the downtown area uh, since this whole chase kind of ended up there. From there, we move to the Inference household. It is, again, about three o'clock in the morning at this point. I'm assuming William is asleep. Probably, yes. Okay. Uh, there is a What, what non- day is it? I have school. Come on. You do have school. Let's say it's Wednesday. I'm definitely asleep then. There's a knock on your door. Okay. And it's a little tap and then a slightly louder tap, and then like a full-on bang, 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 bang. What? Is that any way to speak to your father, son? It is when I'm asleep. Get up. <sighs> okay. Get, Get dressed. up. Fully dressed. Fully dressed. Fine. Meet me in my office. I get up, and I put on just a quick suit. Okay. <laughs> Not like a slow suit. Just <laughs> a speed suit? <laughs> Wait a second, no. (laughs) Fair enough. That was great. Put on the suit as quickly as possible. So like 15 minutes, I'll go down there. Okay. So in about 15 minutes, and your your dad is in uh, his office, and he is dressed like to the nines, cufflinks, tie, tie pin. I've never seen him not dressed like that. It's obvious that he's dressed like this at 3 o'clock in the morning. True. One time you caught him in the shower. Anyway. (laughs) So as you come in, 
there's two small boxes, and that letter that he was writing last time you were in here is now in an envelope on top of those two boxes. And he has laid out a circle of five candles in the middle of the floor, inside of which he is standing. Remember when I said that perhaps we should include you more in the family business? It's pretty burned into my memory, yeah. Welcome to the family business, son. Take a box, and take a, uh, take a, take a seat inside the circle. Is he also inside the circle? Oh, yeah. Okay. Alright. I just wasn't sure how big this circle was. Okay. I'll do that. Are you, sh- are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> I have no reason I'm, to distrust am, my father. Oh, I can think of like a million <laughs> reasons to distrust your father. You're not here. <laughs> I'm seeing. So these two boxes, uh, one of them is a very rich, like mahogany kind of wood, and the other one is steel. Uh, which one are you taking? Mahogany. Okay. Uh, so you pick that one up, your dad reaches over and picks up the steel box and the envelope and sticks the envelope inside his kind of coat pocket, and then stands in the middle. We're going to go meet some family friends, son. I expect that you will comport yourself tastefully. I kind of uh, roll my hands over my face, trying to wake up a little, slap the cheeks a few times, mm-hmm. and go, okay. Wonderful. And your father's eyes, you haven't seen him, you, you know he has powers like yours, but you haven't seen them very often. Right. Uh, they blaze... And the candles just flare about three feet in the air. And suddenly, you are somewhere else. You're not sure where this is. It's an interior. It's pretty richly appointed. It almost looks like like an old businessman's club room. There's There's a big round table in the middle, and there are four other people in this room with the two of you. Two of them are seated at the table, and two of them are kind of standing behind those two. So your father goes over to the table... And pulls out a chair and takes a seat and puts his box on the table. To his left, kind of across the table, there is a fellow in really uh, gaudy robes. When you think evil sorcerer, that's what you see. You can't tell much about his facial features because his entire face is painted in like black and white grease paint like a skull. And his eyes are glowing a little soft white. Behind him is a young lady, you would guess maybe your age, very similarly dressed. She's in a black, not quite as ornate robe that covers, you know, head to foot, and her face is painted in that same kind of, like, skull motif. Uh, Her eyes are not glowing, though. And then to his right, there is an older woman. She looks, like, in her mid-80s. She's very, very wrinkled. Her hair is kind of sparse, but it's still very dark black. And she's wearing rings on every finger. And behind her is standing what you can only describe as a ninja. There's a guy dressed like a ninja with a sword on each shoulder. What a poser. Okay. And your father greets each of them. He turns towards the man, Diviner. And he turns towards the woman, Auntie. And they each kind of bow a little bit to him, and he holds out his hands. And each one of them hands him a small glass vial with a glowing blue liquid inside. He takes these, and he sticks them in his front uh, coat pocket, and then takes the letter and hands it to the older one. And the man in the evil, evil sorcerer robes, Why must this meeting happen at this ungodly hour? Do you know what time it is in Bali? And your father looks at him, I don't frankly care! And the young woman behind him kind of curtsies a little bit towards you. She seems to be giving you the eye. E-I. Yes, she's definitely, like, sizing you up. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. 
I thought it was an eye. <laughs> like an actual, yeah. <laughs> Shall we introduce our protégés? And the older woman begins, Of course. And she looks over to you. William, dear, I've heard so much about you. I'm so pleased to finally meet you. You can call me your auntie. And then she looks over. This is my nephew, Nightshade. Nightshade. And uh, the ninja just kind of nods silently at you. Oh, the ninja's name is Nightshade, or yes. is it the sorcerer's name no, is no. Nightshade? Okay. Ninja's name is Nightshade. The ninja's she, name is Nightshade. She's his auntie, and that's her nephew, Nightshade. Good to meet you. And then the other one goes, Yes, fine. You may call me Diviner. This is my protege, Deborah. <laughs> And she she kind of smiles a little bit. Uh, Good to meet you guys as well. And your father goes, yes, yes. Wonderful. Now, I believe we have a few things to discuss. And he opens the steel box and takes out of it a silver orb. It's about the size of a, a billiard ball. And it's got arcane symbols kind of all around it. Awesome. The other two pull one of those things out of their robes. And the other two, Diviner, shakes his head. It was too well-guarded. I was unable to procure it. And your father just stares at him, and you can see little pinpoints of uh, of light in his eyes. He looks over, Auntie Toxin, and she says, I believe I know where it is, and I have measures in place to acquire it. Wonderful. Well, let us discuss, and the protégés can retire to the sitting room. Auntie nods, and Nightshade turns to walk through uh, a door and beckons the other two of you uh, to come along. Kind of look, glance at my father. Am I still holding the box? Is that on the table? Or? No, you're still holding it. I guess I'm taking the box with me now. <laughs> I don't know what yeah, to do with it. He hasn't told you anything to do with it. I, I'm, I'm willing to take the box with me then and sure. walk out. Sure. Uh, and then behind you, uh, Deborah uh, walks into a room just off the side from this one. When the door shuts, all sound from the previous room just ceases, almost as if by magic. Shock. Just no really good soundproofing. Right? Not everything has to be magic. <laughs> And you find yourself in a very similar but slightly smaller sitting room. And you are somewhat surprised to see that Eric is actually in here, your brother Eric. Mm, great. Uh, and he is reading out of some sort of big leather-bound book. Uh, he looks like he's about to pass out, but as you three enter, he like, kind of... Like, from sleepiness? Or... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or from magic. I didn't know if he's, like, pale and dying. Look out. No, 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 no. He's okay. just, drunk? He's just bored. Thank you. And as you guys enter, he looks up at you and just kind of shuts the book and he goes, Ugh. Who invited you? Father, of course. Ugh. Look, I don't know what you think this means, but you're just an errand boy, alright? And uh, it's too late for this. I can't even. And he stands up and he looks over at Nightshade. Come on, let's, let's go have some fun. And the two of them open the door that you just came through, and it's a city street, and the two of them walk out onto that and close the door behind them. Like a daytime city street or a nighttime? Evening. So definitely a different part of the world than you're in. Okay. Um, or, well, I was in. Then you was in, yes. <laughs> was in? Uh, <laughs> leaving you alone with Deborah, who at this point is just kind of wide-eyed, staring back and forth between the, the closed door and you. She goes, hello. How's it going there, Debbie D? How'd you know my last name? Just pure instinct. Wow. Magic. It's really your power. <laughs> Name knowing. It's a power. 
I feel like your name is Jeffrey. Oh my god! <sighs> Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> How's it going there? Did you need something? And she kind of puts her hands together. Like, I thought it was very rude of him to talk to you that way. Who, Eric? Yeah. Yeah? Is that... Do, I, know, I know you had a brother. Is that him? Yes. Wow. And she looks at yeah, you. Yeah, that's you just amazing. You definitely got the better part of that. Better part of what? Just all of that. It's going to like motions towards all of you. Huh. Turn So... The power of seduction. So this, um... This goes on for probably a good five, ten minutes. Uh, Debbie is awkwardly hitting on you. I got that, yeah. 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 Uh, just to, to state that, in case anyone didn't read the subtlety in the room. And after about five or ten minutes, there's a knock on the door and then it opens. And your father motions towards you. Come along, son. Business is over. And you look in the room, and you can see Auntie Toxin, and the other seat has the robe that Diviner was in on it, but no Diviner. That seems, uh, interesting. And okay. then he kind of looks in, and he goes, Oh, no. Your father looks back over your shoulder. Don't worry, young Debra. I've arranged for everything to be taken care of. And then he turns to you. My apologies for taking you out of bed in the middle of the night, but I did want you to be... I want to bring you more into the fold, son. I understand that I haven't given you quite as much responsibility as perhaps you can handle. I'm a pretty responsible kid. I can see that. (laughs) He brings you back over to where you entered the room, and kind of similarly to last time, his eyes sort of flare up, and you're back in his office. I'm still holding this box. Yeah, he held out a hand for it. (laughs) What was the point of the box? I wanted to keep your hands busy. And he puts it on the table. Also... Really? Because that's what Deborah wanted as well. He holds up a hand. Also, and he opens the box, and there's one of those little silver orbs inside. Let me guess. And that's the one that Diviner is supposed to get. And he just smiles at you. Sometimes, son, you have to prune your organization. But did we have to actually bring it within three feet of him just for that? If he couldn't sense it was there, he was a shit magician, wasn't he? That's a pretty good point. (laughs) I'll see you in the morning, son. Uh, night, Dad. Man, I love your dad. (laughs) Logic be damned, that was pretty badass. <laughs> so, you head back to sleep. Nah, I'm gonna check Twitter first and okay. see all these posts about a random roller skating superhero going through the city sure, and go, you, what were you doing? Sure, you, you check Twitter. Um, there's, at this point, not a whole lot up. Um, you do see that there was apparently some sort of superhero altercation uh, downtown Apex City, but there's not a whole lot of detail about what it is. Someone just take a pictures or video. Come the, on. The police actually still have that area cordoned off. So. All right. She's scary. What do you want? I want to meet this super edgy chick. That's what I'm all about. <laughs> the next morning is something that you guys uh, have all been aware of for at least a couple of days now. The Phoenix Institute, which was the building that was uh, attacked by Overclock about a week ago and just severely damaged a lot of people, uh, were in a lot of danger, and Mm -hmm. thanks to the heroics of Piero and the Baroness, those people were more or less saved. They've offered you an invitation. They want to thank you personally. And at least as far as the Baroness goes, Kopi has kind of suggested that this is not a terrible idea. Like, as far as making inroads with these people. As far as William and Furnace goes, because you guys showed up on the scene at the end. 
they know that you were involved in this as well in a different kind of capacity. Was this the octopus? No. No, no, this was okay. taking recapturing uh, Overclock. Yeah. That's yes. Excuse, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, recapturing his head while his body rocketed out of the building. Yeah. Also, the bear has kept the head. I and, did. Yeah. What have you been doing with that for last <clears throat> week? I've kind of been talking to it. It doesn't answer you. No, it doesn't answer me, <laughs> but... Like, I don't have a lot of friends in Kofi right now, so I talk to Overclock's head instead of just talking to myself. What kind of things do you Well, you're always with Officer Garen. Whenever you're there, I hang out with you. I'm just liver. I can hang out with you whenever I can, but, you know, when I'm in my room at night, and I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. So you're just kind of, like, on the shelf somewhere? Well, see, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. Okay. And what kind of things do you talk to it about? (laughs) I'm I'm trying to, I'm asking where it came from, where I come from. Okay, so it's like... like I, I imagine questions. you wouldn't understand this, the, being a cyborg. Yeah. Baron. It's true, I cannot relate to being a cyber bear. Cyber bear. But cyber? Cyber. Cyber. So, so all four of you have a, an invitation to this, and we have the next couple of panels of this comic book are the four of you sitting awkwardly in the uh, basically waiting room at the Phoenix Institute, which is very okay. much like a hospital waiting room. Just so... Slightly less um, sterile, I guess. It's more. It's more comfortable. It's like a like a consultation kind of place. Like an embassy. Yeah, yeah more cushion. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this is a fancy party. So are we dressed up? That's a great question. Are you dressed up? <laughs> I don't have any other clothes. I <laughs> mentioned that. So what are you wearing? So are you just wearing like what are you wearing at this point? Hero costume, I guess. Which okay. is the pants and the striped shirt. Okay. Face. Uh, William, Please. <laughs> Come on. Yes, William is always dressed up. Uh, more, more so, or just your regular level of dressed up? A special tie. A little flower. I was going to say, it's, uh, I'm going to put on a slightly nicer vest. Uh, how about Darren? Darren would be blooming. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Funks. Yeah, okay, Yeah, I, I have blooms. Like an all-purpose plant person. Yeah, well, and my face is still kind of, like, reshaping itself, so I do have a smashed-in head from my altercation, but I, I bloom for special occasions. What color? Oh, my blooms, they're definitely purple. The way oh, you guys nice. might, might think. Nice, I like Yeah, it. I like so it. I, I bloom purple blossoms. Okay. And as far as clothing-wise, anything special or just the... Uh, I, I feel like that would just be it. I'd be just wearing my blooms. Okay. As so, my clothes. So like, okay, so it's like yeah. flowers all over the place. Yeah, strategically places isn't, you know, inappropriate, but like definitely... So it's like, it's yeah, like a flower exactly. dress? Okay. Uh, not necessarily a dress. I wouldn't. I wouldn't billow out, but I would definitely okay. have like tendrils of flowers hanging off my oh, arms. Beautiful. Flower plant. Flower pant suit. It's a plant suit. No. God. <laughs> Veto. Veto pant suit. Okay. And how about the bears? I feel like I am wearing, like, I'm still wearing, like, my normal vest, but it's, like, my fancy vest, like, my Kopi dress vest. Okay. So it has, like, Kopi insignia and, like, epaulets. Okay. It's right. sort of like military dress, but it's less military-ish. But you're a bear, so yeah. it's, it's been modified. <laughs> Maybe I have a medal on it. Who knows? So you guys have been here for probably 20 minutes or so, as is kind of normal for these sort of things. And eventually, someone pokes their head into the room. Uh, it's a young lady in a white uniform, like, lab coat. <laughs> With a, uh, Wait, a what? A uniform lab coat. Don't think too hard about it. I'm um, thinking so hard about it. She's got, got a name. So many questions. Says, Hello. Continue. She does actually have a name tag, Dr. Amara, and... She pokes her head in and kind of takes a look around, figures these are probably the right people. Miss Stratford is ready for you now, if you uh, if you guys are ready. Okay. She leads okay. you into the Institute. 
Um, it's looking a lot better than it was last time you were here. There is definitely work going on. There are people uh, engaged in very capital S science. Um, you can see through uh, several windows different robotics programs. Mm -hmm. Most of what you see here looks like robotics and cybernetics. And as you're going, Dr. Mara is kind of like pointing out like, this is our robotics wing. This is our like high-tech prosthesis wing. And she's kind of like telling you about certain things they do. The Phoenix Institute largely is to help people who have different, like unconventional uh, biology, whether that be from like losing an arm in a car crash to being born a fragment who is made of plasma and has to have a containment suit. So it's a wide gamut of things that they do here, but they all kind of focus on like an external object to help you live your best life. Uh, is kind of what it comes down to. Okay. And eventually she leads you to a big, you know, a frosted glass door mm -hmm. uh, that has Tishala Stratford CEO on it. And she knocks uh, kind of politely and then opens the door uh, and then motions you guys on in. There's a big uh, black glass desk and then in front of it four very cozy looking armchairs. They, they do roll, but they're very, very cozy. Is, is there one that's big enough for there me? There actually is. Okay. Of the four of them, one of them is oversized. <laughs> and reinforced. Yes. yes. Heavily. Wait, heavily um, reinforced. Maybe one's too big and one's too small and one's, one's just, just right. right. <laughs> no. <laughs> Three of them are normal person-sized chairs. One of them is a bear-sized chair. I will sit in the normal person-sized chair. <laughs> I mean, if you want to. You I will sit in the bear chair. Behind the desk, uh, there is uh, an African-American woman in her late 30s to early 40s. She's wearing a white suit uh, with a silver phoenix-shaped pin uh, on the left kind of breast pocket there. And she smiles at you and kind of motions towards the seats and waits for you to get seated. And kind of leans across the desk. First off, I just wanted to say thank you for all of your help. It seems like not a week goes by that one of our facilities is being attacked by some supervillain or other, and I have to say, I think that was actually one of the fastest response times we've ever seen. So, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, my name is Tishala Stratford. Uh, you can call me Tish or Miss Stratford, or really whatever you want to. I very much appreciate, again, you saving my facility. And I wanted to offer you a small token of our appreciation. And she reaches uh, down and opens a cabinet in the desk and pulls out four boxes, one of them larger than the others, and kind of slides them across. And they're clear topped, and you can see inside uh -huh. what looks to be a really fancy uh, wristwatch with a touchscreen. Now, this is a new product we've been working on. It's a communicator, it's a vital monitor, it's a GPS, and it's an automatic EMT alert. <laughs> so once it is synced to your particular biorhythm, if that rhythm drops below an acceptable parameter, it will automatically alert the closest emergency uh, responders. These are amazing. Officer Darren has one, but his is very useful. It tells the time. <laughs> they also do that, and she reaches over and pushes a button on it, and like the timer pops up. <laughs> So you want to use these to keep track of us? Oh, no, no, no. You misunderstand me. These are for you. Uh-huh. To keep track of each other. Uh-huh. 
Now, does it sound like you're trying to figure out if she might have an ulterior motive there? I'm more just accusing her of having one, less actually like, trying <laughs> okay. to honestly so figure it out. So you're not trying to figure out what she's doing, you're just being So, I am a little suspicious. Okay. I, I, yeah. I'm definitely holding up the watch, looking at it with my cyber eye, uh-huh. trying to figure it out. And, like She's piercing the mask. So you're. I feel like I am trying to figure out what's going on with this watch. Okay, so are you more like analyzing the watch, or are you trying to figure out the person? I feel like I look at the watch and I don't see much. Okay. So I'm going to start looking at her next. Okay. Um, so yeah, go ahead and roll to pierce the mask. Because I'm kind of distrustful of scientists giving me stuff at this point. Well, that's fine. So go ahead and roll plus mundane. Especially because we just got done dealing with overclock. <laughs> I'm very nervous around clocks. <laughs> that's understandable. <clears throat> so plus mundane. Plus mundane. <laughs> Two. Um, whether or not you are correct to do so, you believe that she has your best interest at heart. Okay. She certainly sounds like she does. So I mark potential for that. You do mark potential for that. (laughs) There you go. And I think that's your fifth potential, right? That is my fifth potential. So, technically you take an advancement, we're gonna hold off on that until we- but, yeah. Go ahead and note that you've got an advancement. So yeah, no, you, you see nothing suspicious about this at all. Okay. I- I'm gonna mention that I find it highly suspicious that you give me a clock. After my dealings with Overclock, but yeah. I'm still gonna put it on. <laughs> she kind of laughs and she's like, "Yeah, the boys in uh, the boys in R and D didn't really think that one through. I'm sorry. I thought about making it like a pendant or like a brooch even, but uh, they thought the strap would keep it affixed better." <laughs> Thank you very much. This is a very generous gift. That is both considerate and generous. I it's it's a small token. It doesn't anywhere equate to the amount of lives and research that you folks saved, so no no thanks necessary. At this point, uh, Dr. Amara kind of re-enters the room and walks around the desk, and she kind of leans in and whispers something at, uh, at Stratford, and she goes, Oh. Oh no. <laughs> well, I guess we could call Axiom, and she leans in and she whispers something, she says, Why is he on the moon? Um, the sentry? And she kind of leans in and whispers again, she's like, No, no, earthquakes take precedent. I get it. And she kind of leans back in her desk and so, puts, her, puts her chin in her hand. Can I attempt to hear what she said with super hearing? You can. I'm not going to make a roll for that. No, <laughs> okay. It's basically the downtown facility is being attacked. And then she says, well, what about Axiom? Okay. And she says, Axiom's on the moon. Uh-huh. At which point, why is he on the moon? What about the sentry? There was a 7.4 in Uganda. Uh-huh. So earthquakes hate president. Got it. Yeah. And then she kind of leans back. I hate to impose on you kids, um, but it seems... Remember when I said it didn't seem like a week went by without one of our facilities being attacked? I do. I think it's been about a week, hasn't it? It has been about a week. It seems like our downtown facility is under some sort of distress at the moment. It's not too far from here. You're under no obligation to, obviously. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to... But it would be very helpful if you could maybe assist in that manner. Say no more. We are on the case. <laughs> and I start ripping off the blossoms. Action! <laughs> like, this is no longer party attire. I was going to put it to a vote, but I'm a Darren. <laughs> Alright, so that's kind of our last couple of panels of that particular uh, issue, is you guys exiting the, uh, the Phoenix Institute and heading towards the downtown installment. Mm-hmm. And what you see when you get there is actually our last panel, because you're kind of coming up on this square, and it's cordoned off. There's five or six police cruisers out here at this point. Uh, there's a guy with a bullhorn kind of, you know, 
uh, who seems to have been doing some sort of negotiating. And as you enter on the scene, they just kind of step back a little bit. And you can see there's a big hole in the front of this place. And there is a large, what looks to be a high-tech vault being carried physically by a guy in a giant, like, wrestling unitard and a black domino mask. Oh, dang it. And it's got a bullet on the front. And there's a big caption underneath that says, Bulletproof. is written for Magpie Games by Brendan Conway. It is made of magic, dreams, and a fair amount of spandex, and seriously, I love it. Please check it out. The Baroness is played by Christina. Piero is played by Lenny. You can find her on Instagram at incognitotuba. William Infernus is played by Jordan. Darren is played by Nan. Find her on Instagram at nanjitsu. Apex City is GM'd by Jeremy, who also writes the music and edits this podcast. Our album art was provided by Ash Brandt. Find them on Twitter at cinder underscore Brandt, that is B-R-A-N-D-T, on Instagram at brandt.ash, and on Tumblr at Kimmons. Find us on Stitcher, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Follow us on Twitter at ApexCityCast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.